in the book of Luke, the 17th chapter, verses 12 through verse 19. Luke 17, verse 12 through 19. And as he entered into a certain village, this is Jesus, there met him ten men that were lepers and stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise and go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. I want to uh, minister to you this morning on this subject. When you don't look like what you've been through. Just lift our hands to the Lord and ask him to help us today. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done and all your mercy and all your goodness and all your kindness you've shown to us today, God. Give us an ear to hear what thus saith the Lord. For the Spirit says, come, and the bride says, come, and let whosoever will, let him come. We're thankful today for the Word of God, for it's indelible, dear God, infallible, always will be, always has been. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but thy Word shall not pass away. Help me this morning to preach the infallible Word of God for your kingdom's sake and your glory. And for that one that is here today that is just tired of being miserable. For your glory, I ask it. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen, amen. You may be seated. There are in this story uh, ten lepers, and they're all suffering the same horrible disease. They're all facing the same tragic death. They're all being buried piecemeal. They're all outcasts shut out from the temple cut off from families and, and friends. They're all just abandoned bits of human wreckage. One is just as helpless as the other. Nine are Jews and one is a Samaritan. And you know Jews and Samaritans have no dealings one with another. But the bond of leprosy has bound them together and they're doing business together. These men are full of seeking and searching because they have this great desire just to live. They refuse to die, in fact, until something actually kills them. Lepers are a part of the walking dead, both inside and out. As leprosy can remain dormant for 5 to 20 years with no symptoms. It just starts out with specks on the eyelids and palms and then gradually spreads over the whole body. One of the effects of the disease is that it destroys the nerve endings and the victims can feel no pain or realize when they have been burned or cut or wounded in some way. Without realizing it, they end up damaging and destroying parts of their body because they have lost any feeling. They have inflamed skin 
lesions that tend to burst and distorted faces and joints and all the cartilage of their body is absorbed into their body. Their bones begin to be absorbed into their body because the disease eats inward into the bone. It rots the whole body. Bone after bone drops off and the skin becomes somewhat mummy-like. The lips hang down, exposing the teeth and the gums, and the body loses all of its defenses and repeated injuries and infections just eventually consume the body. It takes, first of all, the members that are furthest from the heart, they that are the coolest, that is the toes and the fingers and the nose and the ears, and eventually eyes go blind because you lose the, the nerve response that blinks the eye, and so their eyes stay open and just dry up from a lack of moisture. Now, as in Naaman's case, leprosy can be hid and concealed for a while, but eventually it will manifest itself in such a way that it can no longer be denied. And then men and women are banished to leper colonies at times located on islands or they're isolated as unclean and contagious and they have no future, they have no hope. But from day to day, this grow progressively worse. They live on begging for food and clothes and eating garbage and wearing rags with no outside human help. They just live and sleep and then die among their own. But these ten lepers hear about Jesus. That makes all the difference in the world because faith cometh by hearing. And they just heard about Jesus. Hallelujah. And his miracles and the fact that he is coming in their direction. And rumor has it that they... they, they <laughs> They have no outside human help, so the rumor has is flying around that he really is no respecter of persons, and that once he even touched a leper, which was unbelievable for that to happen, they say he cares about people like no one else has ever cared about humanity. And even outcasts, they say, are not beyond his reach, and some call him the great physician. It's rumored about that no disease or devil can refuse his command of healing. It's a wonderful thing in the midst of all of this chaos that somebody hears about Jesus and what he can really do in your life. So as he enters this certain village, a village probably made up just of lepers that have been quarantined and set aside just, of their, just to be themselves, there met him this ten men who were lepers, and they stood afar off because that was the law of leprosy. You had to stand afar off and put your hand over your mouth and cry, unclean, 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 so folks would know that they should not come any closer. But these men lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. It reminds you this morning that leprosy was the only disease where you were commanded to show yourself to the priest. If you had a tumor or you had a cancer or you had a heart attack or you had tetanus or, or typhoid or flu or strep or you know, some other issue of blood, you went to show yourself to the doctors. That's where you got your deliverance. That's what you got your healing. That's what you got your minister to was go show yourself to a doctor somewhere. Make an appointment. Go see a doctor. But leprosy was not like that. Leprosy was the fact that when you found you had leprosy, you were to go show yourself to the priest. Just avoid the doctors because the doctors have no hope for leprosy. No sense of spending your money or wasting your money at the doctor's office because he might help you with a virus or help you with a tumor, help you with something else. But with leprosy, you need to go show yourself to the priest. You go, you go show yourself, take yourself to the temple. And it come to pass that as they went, the Bible said they were cleansed. It is, it is, it's, since leprosy is a type of sin, 
in your Bible in how it attacks the body, that the only hope is that you can get it to the house of God, that you can get it to the temple, that you can get it in a great church service, that you can get it where the priesthood is in operation. No sense in taking your sin to the doctor's office. No sense in taking your heartbreak to the psychiatrist. No sense in checking yourself in at the emergency room. The only place that you can take sin and have any hope of recovery is to bring it to the house of God. Bring it to the house of God. Show yourself to the priest. Show yourself to the doctor for everything else, if you will. But leprosy, you show yourself to the priest. You bring it into the temple. Bring it to the house of God. And the mama said, it, 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 it is, it, it, it. you know, if leprosy starts on the, on the, in the inside, eventually it manifests itself on the outside. And it is a progressive disease like sin. It doesn't, it may start off with a small speck on your eyelid or on the palm of your hand, but it is such a progressive disease that it metastasizes. It will not stay in its original location. Wherever it may start out at, it, you understand it won't stay there. Eventually it's going to move to other, it metastasizes. It moves to other parts of the body. It gets in the liver and gets in the joints and gets in the feet and gets in the arms and gets in the legs. And if it ever gets into the forehead, now it's gotten into the place of decision making. It's gotten into the places of, of, of choices and gotten into the places where you rationalize and you reckon. It's gotten now into your place of thinking. If it ever gets into your place of thinking, then you're a goner. It is over with when it arises up into your forehead. And so leprosy being this type and being this emblematic of sin in the fact that, that it will not stay in its place of origin, but it infiltrates the whole body. And it's exactly the way sin does. It will not stay in one specific place. It will metastasize. It'll get in other parts of your body. First thing you know, you're doing this, and then you're doing that. Then you're going here, and then you're going there. And then you're smoking this, then you're smoking that. Then you're drinking this, you're drinking that. Because it will not stay in its original location. It has the ability to move around in your body. And eventually, it will get to your forehead, and you'll make bad choices and poor decisions and bad judgments because you're not, not capable of thinking truly because it has now got into your thinking. It infiltrates the whole body. It will alienate you from your family. Like leprosy, it will not let you live among your own. It will not let you live among your family and your friends and society. It alienates you off to others like yourself. You tend to hang with others like yourself. You tend to go and romance and reel around and have your moving and being around others that are like yourself because sin will not allow you to stay in church. It will not allow you to stay with saints of God. It will not allow you to have a church family. It's going to ostracize you from all good things that might have some hope for your life. Judas, the Bible said, went out and it was night. After he had dipped in the sop and after he had showed who he was, the Bible said he went, it would, sin would not let him stay with the other uh, 11. Sin would not allow him to stay in the upper room. Sin would not, he had to go out. I wonder if he went out. Uh, I wonder if he went out, Brother Rodney. And he might have looked up one last time in the night, looked back, wouldn't see the light on up there where the leather 11 in Jesus was. If he thought, man, I don't know if I'm doing right or not. I, I don't know if this is what I ought to do or not. But he went out and it was night, the Bible said, because it's always night when people leave the house of God. It's always night when folks wander off into the darkness because sin now has gotten some control and gotten into your thinking. You know, it's always dark and it always alienates you from anybody that might be able to help you. Judas went out, and it was dark. It consumes the entire body. 
And the only hope that a leper has is to be able to get to the temple, get to the house of God. And I'm so glad you have made it to the house of God today. I'm so glad that you've made a good choice this morning when you got up out of your bed and got your carcass dressed, said, I'm going to the house of God. This is my hope for my life. This is the hope for my children, to get myself in the house of God. And it come to pass, the Bible said, as they went, they were cleansed. Cleansed. In the New Testament, every time you find a leper, he is always cleansed. Everybody say cleansed. Lepers were cleansed. That is, they're cured of the disease. They're restored to health. The curse has been eliminated. They felt in their body that the leprosy was gone. They have been washed off, cleaned up, and purified. Oh, happy day, oh, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. They could not wait to bring the news home to their family. What a reunion that was going to be when they walked up on the steps of their house and saw their babies again and hugged their wife again and got with their families again. Hallelujah, what a great, amazing reunion that would be. But one of them, the Bible said, when he saw that he was healed, everybody say he was healed, he has been washed, he has been cleansed, and he has been healed. When he saw that he was, had been healed, he turned back and with a loud voice began to glorify God. He fell on his face and began to glorify God. He began to honor God and praise God and worship his majesty. He's been cured. He's been restored to health. He's eliminated the disease. Now then, now then, he has been cleansed and he has been washed. And he fell down on his face at his feet and began to give him thanks. The Bible said he was Samaritan. He was a mongrel. And Jesus answered and said, where are the ten? Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? And they were not found that returned to give. Jesus never found them again, never saw them again to return and give glory to God, save the stranger. When he said unto him, arise and go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Everybody say whole. Even today, the progression of the disease, leprosy, can only be halted. It cannot be cured. Any, any ravages caused by leprosy up to the point of arrest cannot be corrected. The numbness, the decrease of organ function, the crippling effects cannot be reversed. Whatever you lost to the disease cannot be restored even today by the cures that they have. But when Jesus looked at him, he said, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Hallelujah. Somehow when he got down and began to worship God and lifted his hands toward heaven laying on his face, God said, I'm going to do more than just cleanse you. I'm going to do more than just wash you. I'm going to do more than just heal you. But I am going to make you whole again. I'm going to give you everything back that you have lost. I'm going to put fingers back on your hands and toes back on your feet. I'm going to put eyes back in your socket. I'll put ears back on your ears. I'll put lungs back in your body. I'm going to make you whole again. And it's got some good news for somebody. Whatever sin has taken from you, whatever it's robbed you of your life from, you're in the place now. You're in the place now at the feet of Jesus. If you lift your hands and worship him, he's going to restore back to you whatever sin has taken away from you. Whatever you have been robbed of, Jesus said, I will make you whole. I'm going to make you. You're going to have no missing parts. I'm going to put everything back. I'm going to restore you just like you were before you became a leper. See, nine of them went home. Nine of them went home. And everybody knew they were just cleansed lepers. 
They still had no fingers, still had no nose, still had no ears or jaw still drooping. They had just been cleansed. They had been washed and they had been healed. But one guy goes home and he meets somebody on the street and he says, hey, I used to be a leper. He said, yeah, but you don't look like what you've been through. I know you've been through some hardship, but you don't look like what you've been through. I put some things back into your life that makes you, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. God creates something that did not exist before, that he puts everything back. And when you get the Holy Ghost, you won't look like what you've been through. If you come down this altar and repent of your sins, I don't care what the devil may have robbed you of. There's something about the feet of Jesus that worship begins to restore and make you whole again. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord. Lift your hands and love the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want somebody to be made whole today. Because I want your neighbors to look at you and say, hey, you don't look like what you've been through. Last time I saw you, you was broke down. Last time I saw you, you were blind. Last time I saw you had fingers and toes missing. Look at you. Look what God has done. He made you whole. Made you whole. That's why your pastor's trying to get you to worship. Because whatever you may have lost this week, God puts it back through worship. That's what this man did. He come back and worshiped him. He said, all right, you can go your way. I'm making you whole. I don't know where the other nine are. They still look like lepers. Everybody knew maybe you had one time been a leper, but right now you still look like a leper. But this man went home and said, man, you don't look like what you've been through. You don't look like where you come from. You don't look like, you know, some, some of you folks here, I don't know one from the Please don't think I'm talking about you. But if you think I'm talking about you, I probably am. You look around at these people around here, and you say, oh, man, they've been saved all their lives. They, they don't know about hardship. They don't know about sin. It's like John the Baptist. They feel the Holy Ghost from the mother's womb. They don't know nothing about living. They don't know about living for the devil. They don't know nothing about hardship like that. They don't know nothing about that. You know, they don't know nothing about struggling. And they, don't know, they don't know nothing about sin and hardship and struggle. Listen, friend, they just don't look like what they've been through right now. They don't look like what they've been through. There's some folks sitting in this church that's been through some things. There's probably somebody hooked on prescription drugs sitting in here. Somebody here used to drink. Somebody here used to smoke a little dope. Somebody in here used to be a liar, run around and cheat and be a thief and gambler. But you know what? They came down and fell down at the feet of Jesus and began to worship him, and he made them whole. Now they just don't look like what they've been through. They've been through it. They just don't look like what they've been through. God has touched their lives in a way and made them whole. W-H-O-L-E, whole. That means you don't have no missing parts. You know, folks walk in, they see folks with the Holy Ghost and think you've been holy all your life, some of you, because you look holy now. They just don't look like what they've been through. They've been through some stuff. They've had their heart broke. They've been beat up. They've been at the end of the rope. They've seen, they've seen darkness more than they've seen day. They've cried at night. Their tears have been their meat both day and night. They know what it is to fail and fall short and come and, and not do the will of God. They know what it is to live out there in the world. Most of them do. They just don't look like it now because God has made them whole and given them back everything the devil robbed them of when they were out there in the world. Give them their families back and give them their children back. Give them hope back. Give them the joy of the Lord back. That's why they smile. They just don't look like what they've been through. They don't look like 
all the world that was wrapped around their lives, they shook it off in that watery grave in Jesus' name. Came up out of that water. God filled them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Came in and made residence in their heart. Now they don't look like what they've been through, but they went through it. They went through it. Probably that Samaritan go home and he starts giving his testimony saying, I used to be a leper. Folks, I ain't believing that. Look at you. You got all your fingers, you got all your toes, your nose is bad, you got all the cartilage in your body, you know? Look at you. Look at you. And you swelled up like a poison pup. You look at you. You look healthy, you know, you're walking straight, you're not crippled, you got a job. You tell me you used to be a leper. You used to be a leper. He said, I promise you I was a leper. I promise you. I mean, what in the world happened to you? I was washed, I was healed, I was cleansed. But I still looked like what I'd been through. But I came back to Jesus and I lifted my hands and I began to worship him. And he put everything back on me that leprosy had taken away from me. And now I just don't look like what I've been through. I just don't look. Sometimes you look at a man, he looks like a stalwart man. He's a good father, a good husband, dressed nice, got that tie on. Looked like he stepped off the magazine cover of GQ, looking like all that, you know. If you could have seen him a few years ago. He wouldn't have been at church. He wouldn't have been sitting with his wife. He wouldn't have been bringing his children to Sunday school. He'd have been wandering the streets of Atlanta out there looking for something, you know. He'd have been, he'd have been, he'd have been maybe getting liquored up about this time or persecuting his wife for having coming, you know. But God brought him to the house of God, and he laid down his heavy load at an altar of repentance. Turned around. God washed it all away and filled him with the Holy Ghost. Now then he just, and you look at him, and you think he must have had the Holy Ghost all of his life. He probably born and raised in church. Just because they don't look like what they've been through doesn't mean they haven't been through it. It just means they went through it, they give their life to God, and he made them whole again. One more time, lift your hands and let's love the Lord. Lift your hands and let's love the Lord. Hallelujah. You say, how's this going to work, Brother Hosman? I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you how it works. The prophet Joel, back in the Old Testament, 225 says, And I will restore unto you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. He said, listen, you know, what's been eaten has been eaten. You know, I don't know how you're going to get that back out of a grasshopper. You know, once he eats it and skips away, you know, I don't, I don't know how you're going to ever get that back. Hey, once the palmer worm has got it, and once all these processes have, have come in and eaten your world up, you know, he said, but I'm going to restore it to you. I'm going to restore those years. I'm going to give you those years back that have all been eaten up by the canker worm and by the locust and by the caterpillar and all those things that came into your life and ate it all up. I'm going to bring it back to its original condition. I'm going to put it back in its former state. You say, Lord, how on earth could you ever do that? Because you think you've gone so far and you've dug yourself in so deep and you've, I've been so isolated from everyone else and you, you just incubation a place for sin and sin has metastasized in your body and you can't even look in the mirror and then wonder how kind of a person you have become by, by virtue of the sin in your life. How am I going to get it back? I'm glad you asked. He finishes up in the next verses of Scripture. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, that I am the Lord your God. And it's how you're going to know that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And upon my servants and my handmaids in those days I'll I'll pour out my spirit. How are you going to restore everything that's been eaten up out of our lives? He said, I'll tell you how. I'm going to send back the spirit of God. 
The Holy Ghost is going to come. I'm going to pour my spirit out upon all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men are going to dream dreams. Young men are going to see this. Young men are going to dream dreams. And upon my service, my handmaids, will I pour out my spirit. God's people will not look back. Because when you look at God's people, they'll say, hey, you don't look like what you've been through. I've been through the canker worms, and I've been through the locusts, and I've been through all the stages that ate my life up. But God said, I'm going to restore all that. And how am I going to do it? I'm going to pour my spirit out upon all flesh. I'm going to pour it out on all flesh. I'm going to pour it, and God's pouring it out in Atlanta West right this morning. Somebody's going to receive the Holy Ghost this morning. I'm, I'm telling you, somebody's going to receive the Holy Ghost. Somebody's going down that watery grave this morning in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I want you to leave here not looking like what you've been through. You ever see a drug addict? Sometimes you look at a drug addict, you tell they look like what they've been through. You smoke a little pot for a long time. You take a little crack cocaine for a few years. Yeah, and teeth all rotted out and eyes all hollow, sucked back in your head. You're 30 years, look 30 years older than you are. You look like what you've been through. But if you come down here and repent in Jesus' name... Let God feed with the Holy Ghost. He'll put joy back in your heart, and you can walk out of here not looking like what you've been through. God puts a smile on your face. It's the joy of the Lord that gives you strength. I don't know if you can believe this or not. If you believe the Bible, you've got to believe it, I would think, you know. You know what? If the... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that furnace, seven times hotter than it was supposed to be. Even the men that opened the door, it slew them, turned them into crispy critters. You know, they threw them three boys in there. <laughs> they tied their hoses around their arms to hold them back so they wouldn't fight and scratch and claw. So they peeked in the window at them. And he said, "How many did we throw in there?" By the way, he said, "I lost count." See, we lost some guards, and how many of them actually made it in the furnace? I said, well, there was three. And he said, well, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm trying to kind of count, count goldfish sometimes. But he said, I've been trying to count them in there. He said, I believe I count four that's in there. And one of them's like unto the Son of God. One of them's like to the Son of Man. He said, they're in there just walking around. He said, you better get that door open and get them out of here. You better get them out of there. And they opened the door. and they come. Now, first of all, he gathered all. He got all the governors and all the princes around because he wanted this to be validated. God wanted to be validated. So he got all the high authorities all around the door to get these boys out. And the boys, when they stepped out, somebody said, they don't smell no smoke on them. Somebody else said, look at their garments. They're not even got any burns on their garments. Said, look at their hair. Their hair is not even singed. It's not even singed. You wouldn't believe they'd been in the furnace seven times hotter than it ought to have been. But when they come out, they did not look like what they had been through. They did not look like they'd been in a fiery furnace. And I don't know what anybody believed when they got home. Said, I was just in a furnace that was seven times hotter than it ought to have been. They said, you don't look like you've been in no furnace. He said, just because I don't look like it don't mean I ain't been there. I just don't look like what I've been through. I've been there, but I've been there with Jesus, and he took care of me and restored me so I don't even smell smoky. Hallelujah. I can go into a, I can go into a service station, one of them little cubicle places, you know, where you've got to go in sometimes and pay. You can go in, there's about 30 people in there standing elbow to elbow, sucking on a cigarette, you know, and I walk in there like for 15 seconds. I'll come out smelling like a three-pack-a-day man, you know. 
I get in the car and says, oh, good grief, roll the windows down. You rank. You smell like cigarettes, you know. I mean, you don't have to be in there very long. I can't even imagine getting in a furnace sometimes hotter than it was supposed to be. And it come out and folks, okay, I can't even smell no smoke on you, you know. As it doesn't mean you haven't been in a furnace. It just means you was in there, but you just don't look like or smell like what you've been through. Because God went through it with you. He took care of you, and he restores you. He takes everything away and makes you brand new, brand new. And I know you look around, and you ain't believing what I'm saying, some of you are, because oh, these ladies look so holy, you know, and skirts and their hair and everything. And you think, I could never be like that. I could never be like that. You know, that's sin lying to you. He's been a liar from the very beginning. Hallelujah. He's been a liar from the very beginning. You know, I've been to churches before, and, and I've sat back in the congregation a few times. And I would sit up there and say, man, I wish I had them praise singers in my church, you know. I wish I had them choir members in my church. I wish I had that preacher, that young man. I wish I had him in my church. And I'd go to the pastor, and he'll say, you should have seen him when we got him. You ought to have seen her when, we should, when she'd come through those doors back. You should have seen her then. She don't look like that. Why? Because they're up here singing the choir. It doesn't mean they haven't been through anything. It just means they don't look like what they've been through. They've been through it. But God has restored their lives. You always want them when they look like choir members. That's not how you get them, though. You get them when they look like what they've been through. But you pray them through the Holy Ghost, then they don't look like what they've been through any longer because God restores everything they've lost out of their lives. Man, you're a great group to preach to, and I know I'm a preacher, and you're a great group to preach to. That makes us hand in glove. But I know you'll tire of hearing it long before I get tired of telling it. But you know, when David wanted to build the temple, he wanted to build it so stinking bad, but God wouldn't let him build it. You're a killer. You're a killing machine. You shed too much blood got human blood on your face every day you come home. You kill somebody, murder somebody, destroyed the world. He said, but I'll put the plan in your heart. It's a horrible thing to get the plan in your heart, but then he won't let you build it. He said, I'm going to let your little boy build it. He said, Solomon's young and tender. Solomon doesn't know about building something for you. He'll have beanbag chairs and lava lamps in the temple, you know. He don't know nothing about building that. He don't know nothing about building the majesty of God. I've seen some temples before. I've seen some Parthenons. I've seen some glorious places before. He's young and tender. He's young and he don't know nothing about building for the glory of God. You know, he'll have black lights and all kinds of stuff in the temple, he said. So you know what David did? He had the plan in his heart. He said, I don't know how much gold we need. I don't know how much silver we need. I don't know how much brass we need. He even got iron for nails. You know, he got iron. He, he said, I ain't going to let this boy even build a nail. He'll put the head on the wrong end or something. You know, I, I'm going I'm to get the iron for the nails. And so he went out. You know where he got all that stuff? You know, David didn't have no gold mines. He didn't have no silver mines. He didn't have no brass mines. He didn't have no iron ore. He didn't have a smelting pot to smelt down the iron. Where did he get all that stuff at? He got it out of the world. It's right there in your Bible. You can read it. He got it from the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Assyrians. He got it from all the heathens of the world. He said, what do we need today? We need some gold. Who's got gold? I believe the Ammonites got some gold. Let's go over here and we'll kill them all and we'll take their gold. <laughs> so he just went over to the Ammonites, killed everybody, and took the gold. 
He said, what do we need now? We need some silver. Who's got silver? I think the Moabites got a little silver over there. Let's go over to the Moabites. You know, we go over there and he just slaughtered the Moabites and take their silver. Who's got iron? He'd find somebody's got some iron ore, you know. He'd go over. It's right there in your Bible. You, it's not, not just like I'm telling it right now, but it's in there pretty close to that. <laughs> And so he, he plundered the world, all the heathen nations of the world. He plundered them. I can read it for you. It's right there. You're just looking at me like that RCA dog with you. It kind of cocked on one side. Like, you sure? You know, he, he's, he's, he said, he plundered the world to get to build the beauty of the kingdom of God. He built the temple. Let me say this. And I'm going to close. Believe it or not. I'm going to close. Everything that was in the temple beauty and glory had once been in the world. Hallelujah. The Bible said David just rededicated it. He rededicated it. Now you could take Solomon, let him take you a tour of the temple. He didn't know beans about nothing. Solomon never, he never mashed a finger. It's called Solomon's temple, but he didn't do nothing. Well, it's right there in your Bible. He didn't do nothing, you know. He hired it all. He was a subcontractor. He hired it all out for somebody else. He hired everybody else to do the work. He didn't know how to do anything. He's young and tender. He don't know how to do anything, you know, but he was a wise man. And a wise man knows he doesn't know and gets somebody that does know. That's wisdom. Wisdom's not doing it. Wisdom's finding out who can do it and getting them to do it for you. And so he was a wise man, so he got somebody else to do it. But we call it Solomon's Temple. David bought the ground Onan's threshing floor where it was built. And he plundered the world to get everything that went into the building of it from the cedars to the iron to the brass to the silver to the gold to the jewels. Now, Solomon didn't really know where it came from. But if you'd let David take you a tour, come on, musicians. If you'd let David take you a tour of it. <laughs> you look at that gold on the mercy seat. David said, let me tell you where it came from. I took that out of a heathen temple. It covered a false god, and I stripped it off of him, and I dedicated it to the Lord, and I brought it back home to make a mercy seat out of. He said, you see them jewels in the breastplate of the high priest? He said, them rubies there were the eyes in an idol, and I popped them out of the idol, and I dedicated them to God. You see that silver over there? That silver was the base for a false god. I knocked the god over, and I took his silver base, put it under my arm, and carried it home, and I rededicated it to God. You see that crown upon the high priest's head? He said, that was upon the temple prostitute's head. I knocked it off her stinking head, and I brought it home, and I rededicated it to God. Now the high priest wears it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when you look at the temple, you understand it just don't look what it's been through. It don't look like where it came from. And because now it has been rededicated to God. And there's not one thing in that temple that was holy to begin with. It had all been rededicated to God by David. So when you walk in the church and you hear the choir sing and you see the musicians and you see how they move about and the service has been orchestrated and the Holy Ghost moves. You understand, a lot of them have been where you are. It just don't look like what they've been through. 
because they came back and fell down at the feet of Jesus. He said, I'm going to wash you. I'm going to cleanse you. But before you leave, let me make you whole. Let me give you back everything you lost. Let me rededicate your life. Let me rededicate you to the kingdom of God so it can be used of the Holy Ghost. Stand with me if you would, please. Thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands and love Jesus with me just a moment, would you? Thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to prolong this, but I'm just telling you, I just want to tell you. If you're tired of looking like what you've been through, and you're tired of acting like you've been through, and you're tired of feeling just like what you've been through, I'm going to invite you to bring that to this altar to Jesus. They have warm water to baptize you in. They have clothes for you to wear. They have someone that will take you down in that watery grave in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. And God will fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you will speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you utterance. And when you walk out that door, you will not look like what you've been through. God will restore your life. So if you're tired of just being miserable, you will not have to come to this altar alone. Someone will come with you. We're going to sing, and that opportunity is open to you. I know you're here. I don't even question that. I know you're here. God showed me that in my, as, I, as they woke me up. I know you're here. You just have to turn back. Maybe you were thrilled by this service. You enjoyed the singing. You enjoyed this great pastor and his church family, and they're welcoming you. But that's not enough. You've got to turn back and bring it to the temple. Bring it to Jesus, the priest. He's the only one that can handle what you're going through. Only one. No doctor, no psychiatrist, no emergency room is equipped to handle sin. Only Jesus. He loves you so much that he died for you. And we're going to say, don't tarry. I don't have, I don't have time, to, I don't have time to, to beg and plead with you. But if you're a prodigal, He's got some clothes waiting for you and a ring to put on your finger, shoes to put on your feet so you don't look like what you've been through. If you're legion and you're naked in the world and you've been cutting yourself trying to get rid of the demons and devils out of you, if you're tired of chains and bondage, he said, Peter, get some clothes out, out of the ship. Get that extra pair of sandals. I'm going to send him home so he don't look like what he's been through. Prodigal, come home. Legion, I want you to come home. Sinner, just come on home and let God make you whole. 